I think it makes a huge difference for people because none of us can stick to a healthy diet if it doesn't taste good. Hello, and welcome to Health Views with Deb Friesen, MD, a podcast about health and wellness within today's healthcare landscape. I'm your host, Dr. Deb Friesen with Kaiser Permanente, and I've been working in healthcare for over 20 years. During that time, I've learned that the most powerful tool for healing is the power of listening and the value of asking the right questions. Come join me as we'll together explore timely topics that impact people, businesses, and communities. Now let's check out today's view. Happy Thanksgiving. This is the season for family, friends, and loved ones to gather together, celebrate, and enjoy delicious meals. I'm excited to release this abridged version of a fantastic discussion on nutrition with Dr. Linda Shu. Dr. Shu is a Kaiser Permanente internal medicine physician and professionally trained chef who founded the Thrive Kitchen, a teaching kitchen with hands-on cooking classes to improve the health of her patients and her community. She is also the author of a wonderful cookbook called Spice Box Kitchen. I encourage everyone to check it out for delicious and healthy globally inspired recipes for their Thanksgiving meal. Take a listen. So actually, I don't know if it's okay for me to read an excerpt from a really nice email that was sent to me today by actually not my patient, but someone who, a stranger actually, who bought my cookbook and who has had great health benefits from it. Please can, do. Can I read that? Absolutely. That? Because I think it I think it really sums up, and hopefully I can get to it. I bet you can. Go ahead and try. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Okay. It really sums up why I wrote the book and the, the benefit, I think, of my practice of culinary medicine has for people in a way that is beyond what I thought I could do. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just read you this because the reason why this is the second or third time this reader has written to me was because she had gotten good feedback from her doctor after using my book therapeutically for nice. the last month or two. So first she tells me very nice words, of course. Your book is truly my guiding light these days and our meals are delightful. I have given the book to our daughter who at age 58 has had three strokes since May. And had Crohn's. And I recently had a cyst removed from my back and told the doctor about the book. She said that she was glad I told her as her own diet. So another doctor's diet was terrible and she wants to make changes, but didn't know how. And so they, that doctor and this patient's primary care doctor told them they did not learn nutrition in medical school. That's actually the other big part of this, right? All of us have right. this experience that we didn't learn practical nutrition. We might have learned about you know, two feeding formulas and all of that and how, what to ask when you get an RD consult in the hospital, but that's about it. Really. And it was an elective for me. It was, it wasn't even something that was part of the curriculum. It was an elective. Right. Yeah, exactly. So then in this note, she continues to tell me about all the recipes that she made that she loves. And she says, each and every recipe is delicious and your way of spices and herbs is magical. And that's, I'll, I'll get to the most important part. That's medical though. The best part of all of this are the two letters my husband and I have received from our doctor with our wonderful numbers that are so much better than ever before. My husband is now off diabetes medication. I mean, this is incredible. And then she says, for a long time, I felt very alone in my cooking and eating habits, but now I can see the light ahead and enjoy much better health because of it. So, you know, I read this, I just got this today and I thought, I, this is what I wanted to accomplish yes. with my work, not just my book, but my work overall. And it just means so much to me to hear about this from patients. And I have gotten, you know, these sorts of messages several times since I started doing this 10 years ago. So both in how I counsel patients in the office 
and through giving my cooking classes where, you know, I think of this, I used to think of food and cooking as only my hobby that I really love and nothing that was, you know, powerful in the way that science is powerful. That, which is why we learned all that science in pre-med and medical school, right? We needed to know things that civilians didn't know because we could help them with that. And this is cooking. This is things that, you know, we learn from our mothers, and our grandmothers, and not something that you have to have really great SAT scores to be able to do. And yet, the best feedback I've gotten, very meaningful feedback from patients has all been since I've talked about food. I don't think there's any bigger recommendation than that for everyone to talk about food and cooking with their patients. Like yeah. people say, I've changed their lives. I've reversed their diabetes. They've lost weight. They had given up on ever feeling good. And now they do. And it's with this, you know, food. I can see and hear how gratifying that is to you, that this is, Incredibly. again, it's different than that one-on-one conversation, right? It's, it's reaching the world in such a very different way through food as medicine. So let's talk about your cookbook. Why a cookbook? There's a lot of cookbooks out there. There's a lot of healthy cookbooks. Why did you have a cookbook in you that needed to be born? I think you've kind of honed in on the, with that last thing that you said, it, it needed to be born. I think, you know, there's so much work that goes into a cookbook. And I think any author, whether it's of, you know, fiction, nonfiction or cookbook, when they put all that effort into making a book, it's because it, it has to come out. Like it's there. there. You actually can't stop it. And, you know, we're lucky if we can convince a publisher that it has to be out in the world. And so I think... You know, I've had my blog, Spicebox Travels, which is about food and travel, from around the same time that I went to that culinary conference, a few years before, actually. So that blog in its early days actually wasn't all about healthy cooking because I wasn't all about healthy cooking then. (laughs) And then it, it transformed. And over the years, it has transformed after I went to that conference and have done this work. And so... My initial thought was after having this blog for 10 plus years, I'm like, oh, I have so many recipes here. I should just put it all together in a cookbook. And then when I finally did sell my cookbook, my editor said, no, they have to be new recipes. And I thought, oh, (laughs) wait a minute. Oh, no. (laughs) This is going to be a lot of work, right? So my initial thought was just a place to collate all these recipes I put together over the years and have it in a more permanent and beautiful form that people could have, that my kids could have you know, just for posterity and get my words out there. So that was my initial idea. And then I also thought, well, okay, if I have to make this something new, I I have to make it as useful as possible for people. And so, you know, since my classes are in person, they're limited people geographically, although now we've just recently started doing them virtually. So that's opened up a little bit more to people. I thought, maybe I can share some of what I teach people in the book. You know, it's it's not, it's actually very different from the classes, but the same themes. And so I have a whole section in it. The first section is on Healthy Cooking 101, where I share a lot of the same information I share with patients in my classes. So, you know, what is healthy eating? It's a very general user-friendly approach that's kind of one size fits all for everybody. How to get started. You know, a lot of people are ashamed or embarrassed that they don't know how to cook as adults. And that's actually my favorite student. I love teaching someone who's new. And so, but I I like to acknowledge that a lot of people maybe don't know what you need. So I talk about pantry stocking and the basic equipment that you need to be able to cook healthy food. And it's not complicated is what I loved about it, Linda. It is. Thank you. It is very basic. And it's, it's like, at the minimum, you need these things. And then you can grade up if you want these. But you do such a nice job of just 
really making it approachable for the average reader. And I'm sure that's what your patient also experienced, where this is an overwhelming me. This is something I can see myself making as I start looking through the book. So I, I love that you incorporated not just recipes and how-tos, but the why and why this is good for you. You also have like little icons of your spices and veggies and what those bring to the recipes. And I thought that that was actually so clever and also educational and helpful at the same time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, as you can imagine, a lot of thought went into all of those elements. And, you know, I have to thank my excellent editor for sometimes forcing me to do something that I felt like, oh, that's not that important. I don't really want to spend the time on that. I think she really knew. She's an experienced editor. And just like, you know, we get clinical experience, she had a lot of editorial experience. And what she was really looking for, because she, she really believed in this book, she said, this book needs to exist because there isn't one like this. And so you had asked me what is different about it. And there are a lot of healthy cookbooks out there. I like to start by saying it's not a diet book, right? This is about healthy eating of food that you will enjoy. So I think that a lot of cookbooks fall into those two camps. One of being some, you know, prescription fast type of diet yeah, and something that's very restrictive and not sustainable and not balanced. And those tend to not focus on flavor. And then there are most cookbooks which focus only on flavor without thinking about health. And I knew that there had to be a different way to do this. And that, that I knew that over all these years of teaching patients that I knew how to do that. I really, you know, when I, I taught that first class, I didn't know how to teach people how to cook. I'd never done it before, but it actually was pretty natural for me. And I knew that what I was getting at was people really just want to eat food that tastes delicious. And so I've put a lot of thought into this over the years of what what makes food taste good and what makes this particular dish that isn't so good for us, what are the key elements that make it that dish? And how can we make that a little bit healthier? That's really my approach. And, you know, I've gotten good at it because I've been doing it for so many years. And I think it makes a huge difference for people because none of us can stick to a healthy diet if it doesn't taste good. So one of the things I thought it would be fun to do is to cook one of your recipes and try it and eat it with you. And so what I decided, and I just found out as I was kind of reviewing and serendipitously, that what I chose was the potatoes. They're called Canary Island wrinkled potatoes are papas arrugadas with romesco, um, so a romesco sauce. So I have it here in front of me. I boiled up the potatoes earlier, left them at room temperature, and made my romesco sauce. So I'm going to I'm going to eat while we talk a little bit. So speaking of sodium content, oh look at this! Mm-hmm. Like they're just a little bit crispy with a little bit of salt on the outside that you can see. I use some fingerling potatoes. They're golds, and I'm going to dip. So this recipe wants you to put the potatoes into three quarters cup of kosher salt. And so as an internist like you, when I see that, I was like, oh my gosh, that seems like (laughs) so much salt. But before we start talking, I just want to eat in case there's a reaction that I need to give. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm in love. This is so amazing. The skin (laughs) is a little crispy and the inside is almost creamy. I have to confess, I didn't make the romesco just like you said, because I didn't have everything. I used chipotle peppers instead of anchos. I used canned bell pepper. I didn't have blanched almonds, so I just used almonds. And mm-hmm. I think that was the only thing. But this is this is outstanding. I would feed it to my family. Well, I'm going to feed it to my family tonight. <laughs> but I'm already marking this recipe. And I love 
that it turns out this was one of your very first recipes that you actually served after you went to school. Did I get that story right? So it, the recipe actually is adapted from a recipe at Healthy Kitchens, Healthy Lives. Okay. So way before. So even more kind of, I guess, elemental in my, my origin story that it came from that conference. And I think that to this kind of moment that you're having of discovering this flavor mm-hmm. and knowing that it's a healthy part of the Mediterranean diet is exactly how I felt when I went to that conference and ate that food. Like, I can't believe this is healthy. I can't believe this is good for me. And actually at the conference, they actually do give you the nutrition breakdown. That's part of the educational process there for each recipe. So but I want to ask you about the potato. Does it taste like it has all that salt in it to you? No, not at all. Mm-mm. It's not like, right. so this is a- I don't want to add salt, right. but it doesn't feel right. like it needs salt either. Right. Yeah. So it, most of that salt doesn't get absorbed at all, actually. It's part of what gives the texture to it, including the creaminess inside. It kind of just feels it. And this, this recipe is based upon the traditional Canary Island technique of cooking potatoes in seawater. So that ratio of water and salt replicates the salinity of seawater. And, you know, that image was just so beautiful to me that you oh, would yes. basically just get a bucket of seawater and maybe start a bonfire on the beach, boil it and put your potatoes in there. And so I I love that idea, which is why I tried that recipe the first time. And then, yes, people always ask about the salt, rightfully so, but it doesn't get absorbed because the pe- the skin is intact. And so it can't be. The, the skin is actually the barrier. And I don't actually know why it doesn't actually retain that much of the salt either, but it doesn't, you know. And so I feel like they taste just right. In terms oh, they of the do. Saltiness. Yeah, they really do. When I pour it off the water and then, it, and then you keep kind of cooking over that low heat to wrinkle the potatoes, it seemed like a little salt formed, formed at the bottom. And I just kind of even love that whole imagery of the sea being part of what's left behind and the minerals that would be in that seawater. I didn't have that, of course, because I just used the salt. But it's, it's just even lovely the way you connect the recipes to stories and, and that visualization that I was able to have. And I think that you also commented even from your own experience earlier, which is the delight of making something wonderful. It feeds our soul as well as our bodies. Yes, right. And and that is actually one of the things I like to say in my classes in terms of the importance of plating something nicely. That, you know, first first of all, we eat with our eyes first. But I also say to people, even if you're just cooking for yourself or especially if you're just cooking for yourself, you should make it as beautiful as it can be because that is part of the eating experience. It isn't just, you know, it isn't just nutrition. And it isn't just shoveling some food down so you're not hungry. It, it should be a part of your day that is for you and feeds your soul and makes you happy because it, it has that potential every single time. One of the things I think as physicians, behavior change, trying to help people adopt healthier habits. BJ Fogg talks about his tiny habits, behavior change. Sometimes you do have to do something for day after day after day. Sometimes you just have to try one thing. And so that one thing that people should try that could make a difference in their health or their eating going forward, what what would you recommend that be? You're really going to limit me to one. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, just one for now, but then I'll let you expound. But if you had to choose one, what yeah. would it be as people want to eat and cook healthier? So I always say eat more green. 
I actually think that old-fashioned statement applies to most people. Most people don't eat enough greens, and there are so many benefits for us, both nutritionally and health-wise, to eating greens for, you know, all the potassium, all the fiber, and all the other nutrients that we get from them, that that actually, that one action alone will improve anyone's diet, even if they're not changing anything else. And if I was going to look into your spice box and say, you know what, there's there's only three that you can keep. I'll give you three on that one. What three Thank would you. they be? And is this based upon flavor, health properties, or anything? You You know what, I want to, Th- these are the ones I'm going to take to the desert island. I'm, okay. I need them to help me stay alive, to stay interested in the food I'm eating or, or cooking on that island, I guess. And it's going to make me want to eat or provide nutrition. Okay. All right. So I'm going to cheat with the first one because it's actually going to be something that many people consider a spice is actually a spice blend, which is curry powder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in that, I'll hone in on turmeric, which is one of the main ingredients in it. Because we know, everyone knows now, that the one spice that people know about for health properties is a potent anti-inflammatory. So good both for chronic disease prevention and also for, ouch, I just twist my ankle on that boulder on the island. So we get curry powder, plus it will make anything taste good. Then I think next, we need a spice that will add a little bit of sweetness. And so since, you know, maybe on this island, we don't, we don't even have sugar to access, but we all like a little bit of sweetness. So you're going to have some cinnamon. Because cinnamon, to me, actually has a sweeter taste than actual sugar, which is great for people who are trying to cut back on their added sugar intake, but want to satisfy, you know, a sweet tooth. And we also know that it helps with blood sugar control and can lower blood pressure. So very, you know, it's like one of the most basic spices that everybody has in their spice cabinet. It's very powerful. And then for my third spice, hmm, I think I will say... I'm, I'm torn between two types of pepper. So either black peppercorns or some kind of chili pepper. And so that's both for flavor. And so I'm going to call it pepper. I'm just cheating again. <laughs> You're a cheater. <laughs> so black pepper, actually, it has a compound called piperine or in it, which increases the bioavailability of curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric. So you need, you actually need the black pepper to get the most benefit out of the turmeric, which is in our curry powder. So I've, I've really expanded our spice box. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. (laughs) And then if you chose the chili pepper instead, because I think I like spicy food, a lot of people do, that can really transform any recipe as well. Some people think that maybe the chili peppers can help with metabolism. I don't know if the jury is, you know, really decided upon that yet, but capsaicin, which is, you know, what makes it spicy, we know is good for topical pain relief. So that definitely should be part of the spice cabinet, as well as your first aid kit. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, as well as your first aid <laughs> kit. I love that. <laughs> I am out of my questions. Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked you about that I haven't? Um, I, I think you covered everything, but I think what my ultimate message would be to people is that they should cook for enjoyment and pleasure. And that is the number one reason for cooking, but that nutrition should be part of that. And it should be not considered something separate. It should be part of the same exact process. And that's what I approach my, my book with. And then, you know, for physicians to, even if they're not a great cook or don't cook that often themselves, first of all, they should get into the kitchen so that they actually 
can improve their health, but will be able to talk, you know, genuinely to patients about food and cooking. But just whatever they can do to bring up this idea and let patients know that what they eat is probably the most important thing they have control over next to exercise and sleep, right? And that if we don't talk about that with them, they won't think it's as important as the pills that we prescribe to them. And so I think that's really my ultimate message to my physician colleagues is that you need to actually let patients know that you care about what they eat. And if you're not comfortable, you know, doing the counseling, that's what our our RDs and health educators can help with, but that it's just important just to mention it to your patients. Well, and I I have had patients come back with me and say, well, I, I found this pill. Should I take this pill for nutrition? Or it's got yeah. freeze-dried things. And I'm like, you don't need more pills. You just need more vegetables. If you want yeah. a healthier immune system, it's, it's those things that you talked about. You just need to eat better, sleep better, and get a little bit more exercise. Yeah. One thing that uh, let's spend just a minute on is weight control. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of patients want to exercise their weight away, which never works. Right. Are there things that you actually prescribe or talk about? I know, again, when you look at your cookbook, it's full of fiber. Mm-hmm. It's full of, it's filling food, which helps. There's not a lot of sugar. There's, there's fat, but it's good fat. It's nuts or different kinds of, it's olive oil. Are there things that you recommend when it comes to weight loss for your patients? So I actually always refer back to, you know, the healthy plate model that we share with patients in the clinic because I, again, I think it has to be made simple. I think when people get bogged out of details, they, you know, lose, lose a forest for the trees. So I show them that and I say, if you eat this way, if you literally make at least half of your plate vegetables, and I actually say aim for 75%. Because, you, you know, aim a little higher than if you fall short, you'll still get to the 50% because they are so nutrient dense, right? So they have tons of fiber, they have all the antioxidants, vitamins and minerals, and yet they're very low in calories and they're filling. So you, that will fill you up so you can't actually eat more. And then if you are also making your, your grains no more than 25% of the plate and they are whole, whole grains, there's more fiber there. It doesn't leave you much room for the, the other stuff. And I don't like to say the bad stuff, just the extras, right? That's how my kids learned it in elementary school. Oh, that's an extra. I, I actually think another important message is, you know, with the exception of poison, you should never say no to anything because there are many reasons why people eat what they eat. They like it. It means something to their culture. It reminds them of someone, their family, whatever it is. If you vilify a certain food group, or ingredients, then it's not sustainable. So my whole goal is that I'm making lifestyle change, helping people make lifestyle changes through how they eat. And to do that, I have to say, hey, it's really okay. You know, even though I don't think you should be eating that much sugar, you know, certainly on your birthday, go for it. Eat that birthday cake. You know, if it's any sort of celebration, that's your time to have that. But maybe what you need to do is, you know, eat a huge salad before dessert time so that you're not, you won't have room for it. And that's really, you know, I keep it, again, very basic like that. And if they want more details, we get into it or I, you know, work with a registered dietitian for it. But I don't focus on on the pounds so much. Most people, though, if they, if this is a big change in how they're eating, they will lose weight automatically. And that's the beauty of it. Because I think when people focus on their weight as the only goal, you're bound to lose. And it's very frustrating and discouraging. And then people give up. I totally agree. Versus... Here's what I can control, which is what I eat and cook and put in my mouth versus the number on the scale. Not so much under our control. Yeah. This has been fabulous. 
Your cookbook is fabulous. I'm very proud of you, even though I have no right to say that. But just as a colleague, as a physician, you have made such a contribution that will even just, I think, outlive your practice. And it's certainly a way to have extended your practice in such a delicious way. So thank you for for doing this for all of us. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Any parting words? No, just thank you so much for having me, Deb. As you can tell, I could talk about this forever. Um, (laughs) And it really means so much to me that you are proud of me and and mainly that you recognize also how this can help people and how it's an important addition to how we practice as doctors that if I can achieve that, even for a handful of people, I feel like I fulfilled what I wanted to do with this book. Well, I think you already have. So so congrats and kudos to you. Thank you so much. I really, really do Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks to my guests for joining me today. And thank you for listening to the Health Fuse podcast with Deb Friesen, MD. I hope you'll share this episode with colleagues, friends, and family members who are interested in diving deeper into meaningful and relevant health and wellness topics. I look forward to the next conversation and we'll share another episode of Health Fuse with you soon. Take good care. This podcast content is for general informational purposes only. The discussion reflects the opinions of the speakers and is not intended to represent Kaiser Permanente's policies or endorsement of products and services. The podcast and the discussion do not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. The content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the listener's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professionals.